You're listening to Awaken with Angus Ford Robertson. Exploring humanity's greatest mystery, awakening through awareness. Hello, greetings, welcome, Angus here, Season 2, Episode 5. So how are you all doing? I hope you're very well, your world is well, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from. Do please keep sending your lovely messages. I love getting your messages on, uh, well, Insta seems to be the the channel of choice these days, for better or worse. (laughs) I'm slowly getting my head around Insta, but um, there's a huge number of you now um, following my work and my, my reels and all sorts of things on Insta. So if you haven't gone there yet... Please do um, follow me on Insta. Uh, Angus Ford Robertson, of course, is the the, the handle, the hashtag. Um, I think that's right. It's a hashtag, right? Hashtag Angus Ford Robertson. Honestly, it's probably best I leave these things alone. So, moving on. Uh, last week, where, where did we get to with Pete? Pete Russell. Our ongoing series with my favourite best-selling author on planet Earth, Peter Russell. Last week was kindness. That's what we did. Kindness and the, the need to be loved, the desire to be loved, the fundamental need that we all have to be loved, to be happy, to be safe, to be well. Um, I think it went well. <laughs> it was said, got, got some lovely feedback and comments from that conversation. This week... As I say, it gets a little more fruity uh, this week. Pete and I have a little head-to-head. Uh, we It's probably one of the few topics where we have not wildly diverging opinions, but, yeah, we come at it from a slightly different angle. So the topic today, as you're about to hear, is suffering. The need or not for suffering in order to wake up. So we go into um, the purpose of suffering and that leads very nicely into how Pete got into spirituality and meditation and and this field of human consciousness of which he's a a world expert. So, yeah, I'm just going to shut up now. (laughs) So put your feet up and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Okay, Pete. Well, this is it. We're just going to get straight down to it today. I've got a number of questions which we're going to dive straight into. And uh, if you'll permit me, I'm going to go straight for the first one on my list, uh, which is this. Suffering. Is it necessary for an individual to suffer, in your view, before they find spirituality? Or is it that, you know, they can trundle along and they just trip up onto it naturally, <laughs> if you understand. This is something that uh, you may or may not remember we have discussed uh, many moons ago in Hawaii uh, on a, a lovely dolphin retreat. But I, I never forgot the conversation because you really opened my eyes to other possibilities. Um, and, uh, well, I'll leave it there for now. I've got a few things, of course, to add to it in a moment. But over to you, Pete. What do you think? <laughs> Um, as always, yes and no. <laughs> uh-huh. What we mean by suffering. Okay. If you mean, you know, I've got to have had, you know, abject pain, emotional, physical, mental, like, you know, I was going through this 
divorce and it was so bad, you know, I, I realized I needed to start meditating or something or whatever it was, I'd been, you know, suffering over some issue all my life. Then that often is the case that it, it takes some suffering like that to actually wake one up to the fact there's another way to look at life. There's more things we can do to work on ourselves to actually deal with the suffering. Um, but then, you know, the suffering in a lighter sense, which is what we all go through. And I come back to, to Buddha's teaching here, which is really, you know, his Four Noble Truths, which I love when he first sort of woke up. And it was the truth of suffering, the truth that suffering is. And, you know, I think as you know, many people probably know, he set out as a rich prince, he left home, gave up everything, became a hippie, wandering through the forest for six years, looking for the end of suffering. Um, but the, if you look at how the word is defined in his language, Pali, suffering is dukkha, mm. which is a negation of the word sukha, which means to be at ease and or to be content. And so dukkha is feeling dis-ease or discontent. So it doesn't mean painful suffering. It means any sense of not feeling at ease, not feeling content. So it's discontent. And in that sense... We are all suffering most of the time. Mm. And that's because we're thinking, oh, this isn't very good. I don't like the weather today. It's too hot or it's too cold or it's raining and I want to go for a walk. Whatever it is, we create discontent. And his insight was we create discontent in his terms, suffering, what I call suffering light. We create that because we wish the world weren't the way it was. We cling this was thing we cling to our attachments as to how things should be. And in that sense, that's what brings everybody to some spiritual journey. They realize I am not content and there's a path to finding contentment. There's an inner path to finding contentment, which I want to explore. So I think that's that's the basic motivation. And if one weren't feeling some discontent, some dis-ease in some way or another, well, <laughs> I would probably be enlightened anyway. I wouldn't need a spiritual yeah. path. Right, right, right. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, yeah. Sorry, forgive me. Carry on. <clears throat> no, that's my basic take. I'll, over to you. Mm. Yeah. I, okay, let me just sit with that for a second, because the it, and that's great to hear, and it does chime very much. In a sense, I suppose what we could say is, uh, well, let me see if this fits for you. I've I've certainly had the view of the last few years that suffering is necessary until it isn't <laughs> you know it's like we suffer and we suffer and we suffer and then we get more and more interested in what is causing this why am i feeling this way and then we discover our yoga and our meditation and our whatever it is and it, then there are these well in my case significant pools of ease and stillness which of course over time can get longer and so on mm. and so suffering was necessary i i personally it's something that i share with my students um very happily and transparently i suffered in my 20s really badly with anxiety and depression and uh, social uh, social anxiety all sorts of things in my mid late 20s and that, in retrospect, was the greatest gift, greatest blessing I ever had. I mean, it nearly killed me, but it was incredibly, uh, well, just a great blessing because it's now led to 22 years of 
profoundly easeful living and joyful work and and uh, and so on many great experiences so um yeah would you agree with that sort of simplification suffering is necessary until it isn't no okay no. it's mm-hmm. not necessary mm. it is often the motivation it right. isn't necessary to it. it is often the motivation as it was in your case and i think mm. many people's cases is that painful suffering is the motivation mm. um but it wasn't for me yeah well i'd love you to say more this is where you and i had quite a big discussion back in hawaii what do you mind if you're okay with it i'd love to for you to share a little bit around that of, of yeah. how you yeah. got involved in it right and when i say that you know i mean painful let's distinguish between painful suffering which is painful whether it's emotional or whatever it has to be physical and suffering light which i talked about you know suffering mm-hmm. light is not feeling at ease totally at ease, feeling discontent so mm-hmm. i would say suffering in one form or another is necessary until it's no longer needed but not the abject painful suffering i mean because mm-hmm. i didn't have that i that doesn't mean to say i was content i mm-hmm. i had various discontents and various you know i had social things of social inadequacy and things that were there like i think a lot of people do so i had i had stuff going on um but that 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 wasn't the motivation the motivation for me was acid right right mm-hmm. i was part of that whole subculture and was this was back in the 60s and taking acid and having all these you know openings and fascinating experiences and realizing there was another way to do this, which was the spiritual way. And that's how I got involved with the Maharishi and TM and the Beatles had just started meditating. And that became the in vogue thing to do was to stop taking drugs. You know, LSD is great, but that's not the real path. It's a window into where we're going. And so the motivation was to find a, you know, to explore meditation to explore spirituality as a way of reaching these states of consciousness that i was getting through drugs mm. Mm. so and not to say i wasn't suffering you know in the suffering light was there definitely there was discontent there was disease and when i started meditating it was like ah oh, here's contentment here's ease right, and that right. was the motivation to continue but it wasn't painful suffering that motivated me no Yes, I think um, you've you've really helped me sort of uh, perhaps upgrade my understanding of, of the conversation we had those many years ago, because uh, I think we're talking about stuff, we're, we're not too out of alignment on this, but it seems that you're saying that uh, it doesn't need to be intense suffering such as I had with, with anxiety and depression, it's dis-ease it's dissatisfaction um, so i think we're talking to degree that there is some kind of dis-ease or dukkha yeah, as you're right absolutely yeah yeah dissatisfaction. i mean that's another you know translation of the word dukkha is dissatisfaction we're not satisfied yeah. i wasn't satisfied with life acid had opened me to a whole other perspective which i wanted to explore so there was dissatisfaction there but yeah I just object to when you say, you know, the suffering in the painful sense is yeah. necessary. I object to the word necessary. It is right. often the motivation for many people, but it's not not necessary in my opinion. Now, this leads nicely. I wasn't going to bring this up, but it's just, I just reminded myself of it. <laughs> I'm looking at my bookshelf, <laughs> looking at my bookshelf. So, Kyle Gibran, the prophet, yep. when he says, uh, when he talks about, they say uh, something, I mean, I'm just, making this up now it's not a direct quote but the, the the throng say to him 
talk to us of suffering. And he says, your suffering is like a block of wood, essentially, that gets carved, carving out, you're carving it out, gets carved out. And that the depth of your suffering is the amount of joy you can subsequently contain. Uh-huh. Yes. No, I didn't. I hadn't heard that one. Right. Um, yes. Yes. Are you down uh, with that? Sort of. I mean, I, I'm just saying I haven't heard of it. I'm just thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Two things come to mind. Yes, I think what happens with our suffering, we get upset about something, some discontent. And we dig a groove. It's like, um, I'm really pissed off with what somebody did. And then, you know, six months later, I'm still pissed off at them. I'm still, they were such a, you know, and I talk to you and say, you know, what, what, you know, so-and-so said was really not right. And, you know, I I get into it more. I dig this groove and it becomes part of my reality that so-and-so was a stupid bastard. Mm -hmm. And two years later, we're having a chat and you say something, you said, I don't remind me of him or whatever. So we dig a groove of suffering, whether it's a judgmental person, whatever it is, we Mm. tend to dig a groove. So it does get deep and we get stuck in it. We get stuck in our suffering. Um, I would, I would probably say, and you know, <laughs> I'm not Cahill Gabrin, so. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you don't take this as the prophet's words. <laughs> but what comes to me is a suggestion that maybe the contrast is much greater. Yeah. Maybe yeah. the joy, the joy and ease that you feel when you let go of whatever stories we talked about stories, when you let go of whatever stories you're telling yourself, whatever it is that's creating the suffering, you're clinging, whatever you're attached mm-hmm. to, when you let go of that, there is that quality of ah mm-hmm. peace and joy. That's that ease of surrender that's there. And if you've just been in suffering light, you know, it's probably going to be, ah, ah, isn't this nice? If you've been in suffering heavy, it's going to be, wow. Right. Right. Uh, exactly. So the, joy, the joy doesn't change, but the contrast of the subjective experience definitely changes. Yes. Mm. That's that's how I would render yeah. it. I yeah. like it. I like it. Um Eckhart did uh, a piece on this, I remember, 20 years ago when I was with him in Findhorn. And um, how did he frame it? There was something he said that certainly concurred with with, uh, Carl Gabran's take on it. Um, Huh. It, it escapes me now. That's not much use, is it, to the the listeners? Uh, Let me just try and remember. Hmm. Eckhart's. Suffering. Yes, yes. There was something around. Well, okay. I remember. No, I got it. I got it. There was a piece he said that really intrigued me. He said, "There's nothing really more annoying, in the sense of or, or upsetting, than someone who hasn't quite suffered enough to get anything." <laughs> it's all. I, 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 I'm, I'm, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like the worst. Uh, thing we could experience is this sort of mediocre suffering that just you just bounce along the bottom but there's nothing profound or significant that tips us into that hold on no i gotta change something you know so i get the essence of what he's saying and it, it is actually the same thing to me as is said in the prophet that we need to go into that pain mm-hmm. and the deeper and more significant it is Actually, that is commensurate with the joy and the bliss and the ah, aha that can happen later. 
Yeah, yeah. And yes, I agree with you. We need, and this is important, we need to go into it. Whatever the yes. pain is, we need to go into it, explore it, get into what it is, rather than just trying to get rid of it. And remember, I mean, Eckhart, dear Eckhart, yeah. his suffering would have made your suffering, suffering light. What he right. went through in his life, you know, that brought him to the edge of suicide. I mean, he's told me something about his childhood and his experiences. He's like, oh, my God, you survived that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So remember, you know, here is somebody who had abject suffering, you know, really bad suffering. Right, right. And of course, uh, he, he yeah. was so he didn't know what it was when he when he let it go. He was mm-hmm. so confused by the difference between the deep, deep groove he was in and what was happening. He, he had no idea what had happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just to throw one last little piece uh, for the folk that are a lot of people that listen to this are in therapy land, as I am. Um, it's interesting to notice, I find it interesting to notice that those folk that go through what we might call uh, mediocre suffering, <laughs> even when they wake up from their nightmare and they pass through it, yeah. they often forget the learnings from it, the, the the riches, the joys, the jewels. They just, mm-hmm. you see them six months later and they go, oh yeah, I'm back, I'm back in the office and everything's, what, what problem? And you go, would did, did you are you integrating your lessons for almost nothing but the folk that have gone deep into their pain and come out the other side that's with them that is with them and it's almost like well that's that's made a proper mark now nothing you can't forget that you can't erase that mm-hmm. so there is there is that piece too that you know significant suffering i know it's all to degree but yeah. significant suffering is look at that i've turned it off how on earth can a call come through when you're on airplane mode <laughs> i suppose they've called me on wi-fi haven't they yes well no airplane <laughs> mode should cut off wi-fi well it is on airplane mode, and that call came in from somewhere. There you go. Well, now you know it's live, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so to that last point, I I think it's just interesting, particularly for the therapeutically-minded folk, to be aware that <laughs> mediocre suffering can lead to a sort of a forgetting of the, the lessons learnt, mm-hmm. but when it's really affected one's life, it's like, ah, uh, that's a proper landmark right there. That's with me. What I've learned there is going is going forwards with me. Yeah. Um, and just before we leave this subject, I know there'll be people listening that want to hear a bit about this, but where are you? Because you've kindly shared about the you know LSD and um, pharmacological interventions. This is, of course, now again hot topic for lots of people um, doing all sorts of retreats with uh, whether it's mushrooms or I don't know what um, you know various things, whatever it is this year. Where are you with the use of for meditational spiritual practices? Give us a little piece on that. Okay, a little piece. This should be a whole other podcast, right? Okay, well maybe it will be. Maybe it will be. We'll see what the response is. Yeah. Okay, very simply, um, <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, ah, it's a whole difficult topic. Um, so much comes up. In the, um, yes, they are great openers of the mind. 
They can be taken in the right settings and circumstances, therapeutic, and mm. can be very valuable with taken with experienced guides who really know how to lead you and help you. I am not, I don't condone them as party drugs. I think it's a waste of a sacrament. And a lot of people, you know, have these amazing, whatever it is, experiences and think they've contacted God and call it an entheogen because they've had this far out, all this light and they saw angels or whatever it was. They call it an entheogen, something that puts you in touch with God. An entheogen to my mind, that God is the experience of stillness and silence. And entheogen would be something that brings you to a state of stillness, not something that brings you to some wow, fantastic state, which is just your inner being distracted by some other great, wonderful object of experience. So that's yes. my brief version. Mm, mm. And specifically ayahuasca, do you have experience on that? Is that something you've explored? Yep. And yep. Yep. is that something that you would regard as a sacred rite and passage, a journey to be made? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, not to be made, it can be made. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's mm -hmm. not absolutely not necessary. I haven't done it for a long time and mm. not interested. I mean, I, I had my, it's been a great teacher for me and... I've nearly always done it, except from one occasion, I've nearly always done it with a really trusted, experienced shaman. And the one time I didn't, it was just like boring. Right. Um, oh, I, really? So I, re I really encourage that. And also, I mean, it's a whole other topic, but we're into it now. Mm. There's so much sort of ayahuasca tourism, people running off to Peru and places because somebody's marketing some session with some shaman out there. And I've heard so many bad experiences, sexual mm. abuse by the shamans, people who shamans don't know mm. what they're doing, rip-offs, mm. just handling people coming up with all this deep, deep emotional stuff, the shamans not knowing how to handle it. So if you're going to do that, really don't go to somebody you haven't heard of. Check out, find somebody who's experienced that person, get their feedback, because mm. it, can be, it can be a disaster. So be careful, be careful. Do your research. Do, do your due diligence before you start doing this. It's not. It's a heavy. It's a heavy experience, and you need somebody who can really care for you through it. Excellent advice. I love it. Yeah, brilliant, Pete. Wonderful. Okay, we're going to leave that one there, and uh, let's just take a few breaths. So that concludes episode five. Next week, we explore one of the all-time classic spiritual conundrums, the question of, does free will exist? If you haven't considered that question before, or maybe you're not sure how free will is relevant to spiritual inquiry, then do listen up next week. It's a fascinating conversation, and it's something that Pete beautifully captures and simplifies, particularly perhaps for those that haven't considered the question before. So for now, wishing you well. See you next time. You've been listening to Awaken with Angus Ford Robertson. To join my Awaken program, please visit angusfordrobertson.com.